I want to read to you guys an op-ed that was uh, sent into the Washington Post. I grew up inside this restaurant, and now my wife's helping out in the dining room, and my daughter's working at the ho as a hostess, Stan. This is a family place, four generations and counting. I know every inch of pipe and wire we have running through here. I've been the plumber, the busboy, the handyman, the butcher, the bartender, the prep cook, the manager. I've done every job there is in this restaurant, and now I'm the one who has to shut it down. It kills me. We were supposed to be getting ready to celebrate our 60th anniversary this year, and instead we're packing up and closing at the end of the month. I'll find another job, but it's more than that. It's home. These walls are like a family photo album. I try not to get too sentimental about it because it won't change a damn thing. But sometimes the stress hits me and my heart starts going like crazy. I get frustrated. It makes me angry. How does this whole situation make any sense? I don't know a single person that's gotten COVID and I know that's probably lucky, but right now I can tell you about at least a dozen businesses are going under and a few hundred people going broke. I know this virus is real, okay? It's real and it's awful. I'm not disputing any of that. But our national hysteria is worse. We allow the virus to take over our economy, our small businesses, our schools, our social lives, our whole quality of life. We surrendered and now everything's infected. I like to believe this restaurant is resilient. We tried to outlast it. My father worked here five days a week until he died at age 82. So that's in our DNA. When the governor first shut down, first shut us down in March, I got together with my brother and my cousin and we agreed to think of this as an opportunity. The restaurant was going pretty good at that point. We had a little money to spend. We said, let's reinvest back in the business like it's supposed to be done. We remodeled the entire bar. We put in new bathrooms and new draft lines. We gave a tour to a few of our loyal customers and they said, wow, when's this place opens up? We're going to fill it every day. You'll be back bigger than, than ever. At first, the state was only allowing us to do carryout. So, okay, we've got five dining rooms, 85 employees, 13,000 square feet of space. And now you want us to operate like a regular old burger shack? How many people do you know who are willing to spend $40 on a lukewarm steak that's traveled halfway across town? That's not our typical business. We're old school. We don't have frozen hot wings that we heat up and toss in a cardboard box in five minutes. We buy the chicken fresh, cut off the fat, pound it out, and bread it. Your wings take 25 minutes while you're enjoying a conversation, but that's the old world, right? What choice did we have? We redid our carryout menu to, to cut the prices down and teamed up with DoorDash and Grubhub. We created themed menus for Mother's Day and Easter. We delivered charity meals out to the hospitals and opened up a crab trailer out front so we could sell by the bushel. We were spending $800 a week on carryout containers and there's no real profit in any of it. You lose out on booze. You don't get the same tips. We kept hanging on through March, April, and May, but our revenue was down more than 80%. We had to lay off 75 people. That's 75 families dealing with unemployment and financial hardships and not because a virus made any of them sick. When the state opened up our, front, our outdoor dining, I ran out every Costco in the area and bought any picnic table I could find. We got 20 for 150 bucks a piece. We roped off the parking lot, put out buckets of cold beer. We tried to make it look nice, but it's, some, it's summer in Baltimore and it's 90 some degrees outside and we're selling cream of crab soup to people who are sweating on this asphalt. Nobody really came. Why would they come? We stood out there for nine hours each day and we waited. We got more creative. We kept on trying. We, kept, we opened up at 50% capacity and had live music, themed dinners, mystery nights, a meal with a psychic. We reinvented this restaurant a dozen times, but none of it worked. And at what kind of support did we get? More rules, more restrictions, more regulations, mandates, and curfews? We have to close at 10 p.m. because I guess the COVID comes out at 10.01? Except apparently not at the casino down the road because they have political leverage and they get to stay open as long as they want. You can sit at our bar and have a drink, but you can't get up and mingle because that's considered a health violation. So now I'm trying to serve you and police you at the same time. Thanks for coming. We really need your business, but put on your mask or sit the hell back down. I have to buy disinfectants, individual ketchups, 
paper menus, and personal salt and pepper shakers, or else I might get fined. My employees have to wear, wear their masks all the time, even when they're alone in our office. But meanwhile, we have a group of 40 people in the dining room with no masks on, and that's deemed safe because they're drinking water? None of it makes any sense. We had a customer come in the other day, and she couldn't get seated because we had a few other tables, and we'd hit our 50% capacity in, on our dining room. I had to ask her to wait. I'd rather sit her down and take her money. I hate this rule, but now I have to enforce it. But she could see all the empty tables and she didn't understand it. She got mad and she decided to call 911 and tell them we were over capacity. Two armed police officers came through here. The whole foyer was empty. There was a, nobody at the bar. I've got a max fire rating on the wall of 323 people and they couldn't count up to 100. I told him, I dream about being over capacity, but I doubt it will ever happen again. It's like Trump said, the cure has been worse than the disease. People spent too much time at home watching the news all day, drinking in this hysteria until they were spraying down their groceries and afraid to leave home. I'm Brent Hardy, and this is Disturbing the Peace. Folks, this is the Serving the Peace podcast. I am your host, Brent Hardy. As always, Josh is joining me today. Say hi, Josh. Hi, Josh. <laughs> Man, that joke will never get old. <laughs> Although I did last season, and we stopped doing it. <laughs> we stopped doing <laughs> it. I'm bringing it back. I'm bringing. I am retro. You are retro. Hey, so um, people are really struggling with facts these days. Uh, really, really, we're just gonna dive right in. We're gonna, we're dive, gonna dive right in. We're not right even gonna. We're not even gonna talk about the fact that we are. Coming at you from a brand new location. That's right, folks. The studio is mostly complete. The studio is semi-complete. This is a soft opening. This is a soft opening. It's a soft opening, not the grand opening. Uh, yeah, so if you hear a fan in the background driving by a car or anything like that, it's A little because, bit of an uh, echo. We didn't really get the AC system installed. No. So, so it's the, hot as hell in here. Yeah, the door's wide open, the fan's blowing in, windows are open, stuff. Usually we keep all that closed up, yeah. but... But this late in the year, I'm like, I can't find an AC unit. Yeah, that's true. And if I do find one, it's way back ordered. Yep. And by the time I get here, I'm not going to need it anymore. I'm actually going to need a space heater in here. So That's also true. Yeah. So, so if anyone has the hookup on an, a small AC unit, it's DTP at <laughs> USA.com. <laughs> if not, we're just going to have to muscle through it. until. Right? Yeah, it'll be fine. Until, until, I mean, can, by the way, did anyone mention to Mother Nature that it is almost October? Yeah, it is time for the heat to die. It uh, reached 100 degrees today. It's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. <sighs> Anyway, sorry. Wait, it's climate change, dude. Oh, That's what it is, according to everybody. Change. Yes. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> climate change starts fires. Actually, not, ar- not arson. Actually, no, it's white supremacy, according to a California environmental professor. White supremacy starts fires? Yes. Or causes climate change? Uh, an environmental professor, which I didn't even know that was a thing. Oh, dude, you can be a professor of anything. Wow, I'm, I'm going to be a professor of love. <laughs> okay, folks, DTP okay. at USA.com. I will tell you your love problems. No no kidding. My stepsister and her idiot husband took a course on the anatomy of Star Trek. That was a college course. Wait, anatomy as in like the alien's anatomy? Or? No, like they broke down Star Trek as a TV series. That's a college course? That was a college course. Some They paid someone to teach that. Well, and look, I'm a big Star Trek fan, bigger Star Wars fan, but hey, whatever. But um, what the hell? Okay, total side note here. I'm not like a Star Trek fan. I'm not a big sci-fi fan like that. But uh, what they did in TV history and the world they created and all that stuff. Like, I understand why that's so fascinating. But that's not what they talked about. I was going to say, if you talk, approach it from like the TV historical preference. Absolutely. You You had the first first main character, black female on television, had the first interracial kiss on television. And in the 60s, that was a big deal. And the 60s, that was huge. Absolutely. They did a lot of great things. But that's not what that show was about. Yeah, but apparently white supremacy is a big issue in today's world. An environmental right. uh, professor of Santa Clarita University in California recently blamed the global cri- climate crisis, <clears throat> quotation marks, climate crisis, which he says what has resulted in raging wildfires on the West Coast and hurricanes on the East Coast, not true, on none other than white supremacy. Okay, first of all, hurricanes are actually on a decline, folks. We can stop pretending like those are caused by climate. Yeah, and if, and if climate change was causing the fires, why did they stop at the Canadian border? 
Yeah, either that or they just don't mark the ones in Canada. I don't know. You can make an argument for whatever one. <laughs> That's a good point. That's yeah, a very they good just point. showed this map That's showing true. the fires, and they didn't show the ones in Canada. So I don't know if they just didn't mark those ones, or Canada really just That's not a fire good point. right now. Uh, Ted Gruden, who earned his Ph.D. in the environmental science from the University of California, Berkeley. Oh, that explains it. <laughs> wrote an op-ed in the Earth Island Journal. That's a thing. Last week titled, How White Supremacy Caused the Climate Crisis. In the op-ed, Gruden <laughs> asserted that embedded in the theory of racial supremacy is the theory of human supremacy over nature, which has brought environmental cal- calamity upon us. Wait, so let me get this straight. So white supremacy breeds human supremacy over nature you know i'm pretty sure if he made that like all he has to do is say that sentence to the school that gave him his degree and he may be entitled to a refund (laughs) that's it that's just like say that sentence to the board they're like oh we owe you some money okay look total i'm sorry josh but really quick Talking about environmental stuff, here, here's my big issue about it, because before you write in and everything, this is why I'm a big skeptic. Skeptic, issue number one, okay, for 50 years, they've never gotten a climate prediction correct. No. Not a single one. Nope. In 50 years, not a single one. And remember, in 2015, we weren't supposed to have polar ice caps anymore. Yeah. Okay, they just never got anything correct. Every prediction they ever came up with just fell flat on its face. We're all okay? supposed to be dead right now. And the reality of that is... The climate is just as complicated, if not more complicated, than the human brain. We cannot sure. really predict it, and there's so many outside factors. A volcano can go off someplace and affect the climate in a region. Mm-hmm. Okay, there could be an earthquake. There could be a type. Okay, a solar flare. One of the leading theories is that there's actually solar flares that cause certain climate yeah. things happen in our in our planet. Absolutely. Okay, and that we can't control a solar flare up. You know, what I'm saying so. There, there's all sorts of stuff. But the issue I have is these these uh, these uh, gaps that they bridge. For example, they'll make an observation in nature. And automatically assume it's the human's fault. Yeah. Okay. They'll say, oh, the permafrost in Alaska is melting. It's the human's fault. Well, over here. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's a gap that needs to be bridged there, folks. You can't just assume that. As I've said on many occasions, humans are awful. Well, yeah. As a group. Now, here's my thing. Like, I don't deny climate change exists because, of course, it exists. That's why we were in an ice age. And now we're not. That's why there's tropical fossils of plants. Right. Or tropical plant fossils in Alaska. In Alaska. We know so, things change. So, yes, climate change is a natural occurring phenomenon. Now, I'm not going to deny the possibility that mankind, in its infinite horribleness, has possibly sped up the process a little bit. But not to the degree that some are trying to put out there. No. I'm sorry. There, no evidence has been presented to me. And none exists, by the way. No evidence actually exists. Everything is theory. Everybody hears the word theory and for some reason takes it as, well, you know, they have this theory, so that proves it. N- yeah. No, I don't think you understand what a theory is. But, you know, hey. Uh, as I recently said uh, to a friend of mine, um, facts uh, don't actually matter. Yeah, well... Facts and truth are irrelevant. Speaking of theories, there's a big issue with a lot of theories still going on on the internet about Brianna Taylor. Who? Brianna Taylor. Remember the one you didn't want to talk about last time? Yeah, I still don't want to. We're done. <laughs> no, we're done. We're done with that. We're done with that. We're done. Okay, but hold on. I got to bring something up. No, nope, we're done. Come on, Josh. All right, fine. Okay, so here's the thing. Uh, there's a lot of people still inserting stuff that they just don't know if it's true or not. Okay. Sure. It came out that the police knocked and announced. Yes. Okay. And I already had one person tell me, well, they probably just announced very quietly. <laughs> come on like just stop stop with that you're fishing you're reaching okay just stop okay here's the other thing that came out okay one thing that we were trying to figure out last time and we confirmed it she was not in her bed she was in the hallway next to him yes okay she, she was not asleep which means they heard the knock they heard the yep. announce okay he did not and mr walker acted rationally by all means okay but his belief was and she she had an ex-boyfriend that was violent in prison mm-hmm. had history he was like, oh, crap, maybe he got out, and if he finds me here, he's going to be violent. So he grabbed his legally owned firearm, Yes. went to the hallway, okay? The police, they knocked, they announced, nobody was coming to the door, nobody was responding from to them as well as we can tell. But somebody they, started shooting. They made entry, and the bullet flew, hit yeah. a little cop in the leg, they fired back. Okay, Yeah. that's the dynamic of any shootout. That's why um, these warrants, especially nighttime service warrants, are very dangerous. That's why there's a lot of case law already governing all this stuff. It, it's a crappy situation. As we said, Brianna Taylor did not deserve to die. Okay, that situation just played out very poorly. It did. Okay. Um, it, yeah, it, it ended badly. It, unfortunately, more and more, 
this is actually looking like a just massive misunderstanding. Because, yes, yes they knocked. Yes, they announced. Whether or not they heard it, uh, uh, let's say no. And his reaction, like you said, was probably reasonable. But it went bad. So it's one of those things that you know we're never actually going to know. Nobody's really ever going to know. But the, the, the minds have been made up. The decisions have been made. People are pissed. People are mad because, oh, and they're mad at the, the DA for not charging all three officers with murder. Um, wasn't up to the DA. The DA pawned it off on the grand jury. Well, here's the thing. And the grand jury, who saw every piece of evidence available, and by the way, grand jury is made up of regular people. Regular people off the street. From they, that community. From that community. Different races, different genders, different backgrounds. Saw every piece of evidence available. Yeah, any body cam footage, and the warrants, only- and... And here's the thing that people don't know about grand jury. Sorry to cut you off. No, no, it's fine. Um, they're allowed to interact. Yeah. So they can ask the witnesses questions. Yeah. They can ask the cops questions. Yep. They can ask the lawyers questions. They can raise their hand and be like, wait, can you describe that again? Or, yep. You know what I'm saying? They're allowed to interact. Okay, so they're allowed to get every piece of evidence available mm-hmm. to them. They're allowed to ask every those question questions. Every question answered. They're allowed to get everything clarified. Okay, so when the grand jury, it's very hard. And I try to explain this to people. It's very hard to argue with the results of a grand jury. Well, it's hard to argue with the results of a grand jury if you don't understand what a grand jury is. And I think everybody yes. who's really upset does not understand what a grand jury is. They because don't. after they saw all this, well, the only thing they could really found, found, found was found was negative on the officer who lobbing bullets into the yeah. apartment. Okay. he, he from, Reckless endangerment. From what we can tell, he panicked. He freaked out. Yep. He just shot rounds. You're not supposed to do Shit. that. Yep. <clears throat> so, um, and that's the thing. I actually made this, and, and I actually got in trouble for making this comment. But, yeah, I said that. I said, look, either you don't understand what a grand jury is, mm-hmm. okay, because, again, it's very hard to argue with their uh, results because they get more information than we do. Sure. Or you're just being willfully ignorant because you're not Googling, you're not doing the research, you're not reading yeah. the articles, and it's hard to well, make that determination. I mean, I think what, it's because people don't want to do the research because they don't want to be – they don't want to find out they're wrong. Yeah, they don't want to realize that all these months when they've been asking for justice that they're like, oh, okay. Like, oh, shit, we actually got you. But here's the thing. It got crazy. It's you're crazy. Right, Okay, I mean, a simple Google search, okay, you could, and now I grant that Google's a little biased, it's sometimes hard to get the right information, but a a Google search, I mean, look at this, this isn't queued up, but let's listen to this for a little, this is from ESPN. Of course, it has to play a stupid ad, hold on everybody. This, this, uh, this clip brought to you by whatever this stupid ad is. Taylor and how much her name and her story have been on the hearts and minds on of players there in He's the bubble. He's talking to uh, Malika from Andrews. Uh, from earlier on Wednesday. How did that resonate there? I mean, it, it reverberated everywhere, Scott. Players were hurting. That, and that's not to say that they didn't expect this. These I asked Jalen Brown actually about this hurting. yesterday yeah. when they declared a state of emergency in and around Louisville. And he said that he was already gearing up for a decision that he disagreed with. So when he was asked about it again after the game, he said, I can't be surprised. But in a way that makes it so clear why he is continuously referred to as a man who is great on the basketball court, but will be even greater potentially off of the basketball court. He said, hmm. what do you expect about a system, about a system that is rigged against, that was founded up. on an unfairness against people who look like him what a little crap. and people that look like me? Yeah, so let's stop right there. A system. Okay, they think the whole, this is what justice looks like. Mm-hmm. Okay, cops got involved, they got in a warrant, they killed somebody that, that basically was innocent and unarmed. Okay, the system was, and the appropriate amount of justice was, let's take this and send it to a grand jury and let members of the community decide what, who, and if charges should be pressed. And they did. They but- did. And so now people are pissed because they didn't get, not justice, nobody, they, these people don't want justice. They don't want justice. They want revenge. Exactly. And that is not justice. That is why, and I've said this a hundred times on the show, social justice should never be a thing because <clears throat> is, it, is it about, it is about emotion. It is not about fact. It is not about logic. It is not about ration. It is about emotion. But I like how she sits there and she's like, well, you know, a system that's rigged against people that look like him and people that look like me. Okay. This is a young 20 something year old um, black female. Okay. Uh, let me ask you something, Josh. In 2015, let's go back to 2015. How many unarmed black females were shot? I have no idea. One. 2016? No idea. One. 2017? One. One. Uh, 2018? 
Zero. So, sounds like systemic racism to me. 2019 won. 2020 won, which was Breonna Taylor. Okay. Now, how many people were killed by toddlers who got a hold of a gun? Four. Okay. Okay. An unarmed black female is four times more likely. You're four times more likely to be killed by a toddler that got a hold of a gun than by a police officer. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. So stop looking at like, oh, the system's rigged against me. The system this, the system that. Folks, the system's too big. And there's too many moving parts. That's why we have juries. Yeah. That's why we have things like grand juries. Okay, this was a DA, and I said it early on. I would not want to be the investigator on this case because it's so complicated, and there's so many moving parts, and it just sucks all around because everybody thought they were doing the right thing. Everybody, including Mr. Walker, who fired the shots. Sure. Okay, and his reason was completely rational. Somebody's banging on my door at 3 o'clock in the morning. Whether I, even if they say they're the police, I'm going to be like, prove it. Have your dispatch right. call this number. Yeah. You know, like, like let me call your dispatch right now. You hold on one second. I'm, I'm coming to the door. Let me call your dispatch and verify who you are. Who are. I'm going to look through the people and say, light yourself up so I can see. Yeah. I've done that because I've been that guy who's knocked on the door at 3 a.m. And then I sidestep because I don't want a bullet to go through right. the door and hit me. And I announce myself, it's the police. And they turn on their porch light. They look through the people. I'll shine my, my own flashlight on myself, which is the, against typical cop you know, uh, uh, safety because you don't want to light yourself up at night. You use darkness to your advantage. But I light myself up and say, I'm a police officer. Look at my face. Look at my badge. Look at my uniform because they can't see at night. Uh, please open the door so I can talk to you about something. You know, you do that stuff. So I get it. I, I don't blame him for being afraid and jumping to the worst conclusions that, oh, crap, her ex-boyfriend's out. He's a violent guy. You know, he's, he's out mm. the door at 3 a.m. Okay. Um, if the police announced, they should have announced louder. Maybe they should have given more. I don't know because they haven't released any body cam footage. Or and nothing. we, we weren't there. Yeah, we weren't there. But well, regardless, it, I hate the idea that it's a system problem because well, – you can't prove that it is. You can't prove that it's not. And you can't do anything with the system except burn it all down, which is exactly your Marxist revolutionary system. Right. Yeah, but you're overlooking the real issue here. <laughs> that your opinion doesn't matter. Oh, that's right. I'm because, too white for that opinion. Yeah, you're white. Hey, I, let's talk about... Let, I just don't get it. Yeah, you just don't get it. You don't understand. Um, let's talk about the fact that the uh, system is rigged against people who look like me. Oh, wait, sorry. Um, oh, that's right, Josh. Let's talk about something else. Our let's, token Hispanic male. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> who doesn't speak Spanish? Um... <laughs> And we're back. So Josh is upset about COVID again. I, <laughs> no, no, I'm not particularly upset about COVID. I'm uh, upset about the COVID color chart here in California that dictates what can be open, when it can be open, is how, it because how it's much colored? it can be open. No, it's not. It's Do you because, have issue with color? It's things? because Gavin Newsom is a moron. Well, yeah, and we know that. Here's the thing: the color, the color coding color chart is well wrong. Uh, it doesn't work. And it is actually designed to keep smaller counties from ever opening anything. Explain, child. All right. No, that was it. I don't have to explain anything to you. Oh, anyway. Right. Oh, because facts don't it, matter, right? Because it was been confirmed by several facts. anonymous sources. Uh, yes. <laughs> no. Oh. Okay. So here's the thing. All right. So the color code, the the color coded chart, right? So everybody, pretty much almost everybody, almost every county started at purple, which is the highest level. A couple of counties have now mm. dropped into uh, red. I actually sat in a restaurant recently and ate a meal. It was inter- it was awesome. Um, Sorry, I'm drinking while I'm listening. Go. Yeah, that's fine. It was awesome. Um, but then I really started to think about it. Okay, so here's how it works. So if you have X amount of cases per 100,000 population, then that determined where... You were where you were on the color on the color chart. You have to drop to a certain point of cases per one hundred thousand to drop to the next color. Okay, so for instance, uh, Solano County dropped from purple to red. So now they're able to open some, you know, at twenty five percent inside dining. Uh, some other stuff is allowed to open. Good, good for them. Now let's take smaller counties. Let's, now Solano County, for instance, is a, a county of four hundred and fifty thousand residents. Which means if you have four people pop a new pop COVID tests, that is equal to one per hundred thousand, mm. give or take. Okay. Right? I'm not a math whiz. Bear with me. Now let's take a smaller county. Let's take like Lake County. Lake County has a population of roughly sixty-four thousand people, less than a hundred thousand. Which means if they get one new case of COVID, that counts as one and a half mm-hmm. per one hundred thousand. Let's look at an even smaller county. Ever heard of Calusa County? It's a small county. There's only 22,000 people 
in Calusa County, which means if they get one new case, that counts for what? Five per 100,000? Yeah. So you have these smaller counties, Modoc County, which is like eight people <laughs> or something crazy like that. But you have these smaller counties who, if they pop one new case, they'll never move anywhere on this color chart because of the way it's designed. Because it's designed as, oh, it's cases per 100,000. Well, you don't even have 100,000. You don't even have barely one-fourth of 100,000. So one new case equals four. Well, that's going to keep you at a certain level that you're never going to be able to drop down. But Josh, it's Trump's fault. Well, no, Trump it's, killed it not two hundred thousand people. He killed two hundred thousand people. Wow, I he mean, dragged just, them kicking and screaming to their death. I know, and it's just it was appalling. That's He's not done true. an abysmal that, that job. Is, first off, that is not true. Okay, um, Emperor Newsom, sorry, Governor Newsom, uh, already said that climate change caused COVID. Oh my god! Wait, no, that's not what he said. That was no, the it fires. was about the. That was the fires. I think sorry. there are up to seven arsonists have been arrested, but I think they're all named. Uh, Climate change. They were all named climate change. Yeah. So, yeah, just a little thing out there. If you live in a smaller county, um, you're never going to get off. You're never going to drop below a certain level on the color chart because it's rigged against you. The bigger counties, they're going to be fine because, you know, like I said, you look at like L.A. County that has, well, like three million people in it. Well, they can have 100 people pop a new test and it's just one per 100,000. You're fine. Wow. Hey, did you hear about um... math is a bitch? Yeah. Give me one second here. One. Uh, let's see. How, Two. I posted this, and this guy posted it. So, anyways, yeah, I was I was told this. I was like, well, Donald Trump has done an abysmal job, just abysmal. Like he's 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 killed two hundred thousand people. First thing I should probably remind people of is um, 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 antibody tests early on showed that it's probably been here for a while. True. So think of that, you know, one hundred yard race, but you're starting yeah. two hundred yards back. Also, every individual state's response to COVID was actually the fault of the or responsibility of the governor, yeah. not the president. Governors are actually responsible for. So COVID. your governor is responsible. But let's see, let's see. January thirty first. This probably not do the list. You're gonna do the list. I'm He's gonna do the list, people. Uh, president suspends entry of people into the U.S. who pose a risk of transmitting coronavirus. Which was racist. Yeah, apparently. Uh, February 29th. Trump suspends entry of people into the U.S. who pose a transmitting coronavirus who had visited Iran. Which was racist. March 11th, president advocates for increase in respirator availability. Which was too late. Uh, March 11th, Trump suspends entry into the U.S. for those who pose a risk of transmitting the virus, blah, 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 uh, including uh, Europe, 26 European states. Well, why didn't he do this earlier? March 13th, uh, president declares a national emergency due to COVID-19 outbreak. Yeah. March 13th, Trump orders states to expand diagnostic testing for COVID-19. March 14th, Trump suspends immigrant entry to the U.S. for those who risk of spreading, blah, 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 who visit the U.K. Trump 14, or March 14th, Trump announces a national day of prayer. Okay, but you can go through this list all the way to August 6th. Okay, like he was doing stuff every few days, mm-hmm. some sort of executive order, some sort of something. He was deploying a National Guard. He sent hospital ships to L.A. Harbor and New York Harbor, which were never used because the cases just didn't get that overwhelming to the hospitals. Because that's the thing that people forget. The whole point was we were afraid our hospitals were going to get overran. Yeah. And there was a few that got close, but notice how they always give you the percentage of capacity. They're like, oh, 75 percent of our ICU beds are. Well, it's a small hospital and they only have 10 beds. You know what I'm saying? Like, not not every bed, hospital has hundreds of ICU beds. You know, oh, we're at 100% capacity. Well, you only have 12 beds. You know, like, it, like yeah. But notice how they always put the percentage of capacity. They never actually said how many patients they have. That's true. You know, so, um, but he did a ton of stuff. But, again, as we mentioned, governors are responsible for coronavirus response. Okay? And some governors did a terrible job, especially when it came to their policies. <laughs> Cuomo. Yeah, policies about um, old folks in their care homes. Whoa. He was not testing these folks before they went in the care homes. He was not quarantining them before they were transmitted in the care homes. And they would just throw them right in there. And next thing you know, thousands of people are dead. Literally thousands of New Yorkers are dead because of that one simple policy. And it took them like two months to finally change it. Ugh. Now I'm all fired up, Josh. None of that matters. None of that matters. No, no. Fact. No, none of that matters because it's at facts the point. Facts don't matter. Well, it's not even, it's, no, it's not about facts don't matter. It's at the point now where... Trump could literally go door to door and hand every person in America a hundred dollar bill, and people would get really mad because why wasn't it two hundred? Mm. Like it doesn't matter what he does, people are going to be pissed. 
Well, they're uh, it, it doesn't matter. He's going to be debating Biden here pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be fun to watch. And a lot or of people sad. were saying, a lot of people were saying that, oh, well, you know, Biden's not going to show up. But a lot of conservative commentators, he's probably oh, yeah. show up. He's probably going to get COVID nineteen right before the debate, and suddenly he won't be yeah. able to debate for three weeks, stuff like that. And I, I made the comment. I actually tweeted this at the president, and I was like, hey, um, <clears throat> if he doesn't show up, you should still stand there next to an empty podium, and basically tell the American people what you want them to know. Yeah. You know, and just have an empty podium, and every once in a while, halfway through your speech, you're like, nope. hey, you got anything you want to add, mister? No. Nope. Cardboard nope. cutout. Yeah, cardboard cutout. Cardboard cutout. And it'd probably still debate more effectively. Probably. So, uh, when a lot of this COVID stuff started, and I know we went on a weird tangent there, I kind of made this point to cops. I was like, what the hell are you doing? Because these stories started coming out about cops enforcing mask mandates, going to stores, going to all this stuff. Uh, Moscow, Idaho. Josh, have you heard about the story? No. I didn't know there was a Moscow, Idaho. There is. And ironically, the town of Moscow is probably the most communist liberal town in Idaho. Shocker. Yeah, and it's called Moscow. Hmm. Yes, Moscow is like the San Francisco of Idaho. <laughs> at least, That's a horrible, horrible thing to say about At anyone. least five Christians were arrested during a hymn singing in the parking lot of City Hall in <clears throat> Moscow, Idaho. Hands up, don't sing is what they called it. Oh, my God. One of the individuals cited was Leda... Uh, Lata was Lata County Commissioner candidate Gabriel Wrench. Okay, so Gabriel Wrench is one of these guys that show up. So basically, they're upset about the town's shutdown and mask policies. Sure. Because they're still pushing a lot of stuff. Even though the rest of Idaho is pretty much opened up. Yeah. The rest of Idaho is like, yeah, we're, we're pretty much through the rest, the worst of it. There's not a whole lot we can do. It's spread worldwide. You know, you're kind of stuck at this point. Yeah. Um, but these guys were still not allowed to go to church. They were still forced to do um, mask mandates and all this other stuff. So they went to and they did a peaceful protest. They went to the parking lot, and they just started singing hymns. They even socially distanced themselves, and they were huh. singing hymns. Uh, the five individuals were cited for being in violation of Moscow's mask social distancing order. Moscow Police Chief James Fry told the Daily News. So I was actually listening to his interview where they interviewed one of the guys I was arrested. Mm-hmm. He says the police are starting to arrest him, and he's telling the cops. He's like, guys, you don't have to do this. Okay, you don't. And the chief, and they're kind of looking at the chief, and the cops would kind of look at the chief and be like, mm, we kind of got to do something. Is one of the issues that come up with cities compared to like a county sheriff is the police chief has two bosses, mm-hmm. the city manager and the mayor. Yep. Okay. Plus any uh, city council members and stuff like that. Yeah, so yeah. you could argue, depending on how many city council members they have, they, he could have several bosses. Sure. But for some reason, he always feels inclined to answer to these individuals. Now, that's a recipe for disaster in a lot of cases because now you do have people who really see themselves or treat themselves as if they are above the law. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a police chief can look at this and be like, look, those, these mask mandates aren't even legal. Like, there's nothing really you can even enforce. Yeah. Okay, like, what what are you doing? Like, what law are they breaking? Right. Um, but you're going to arrest these people, and they're protesting, and they're peacefully protesting. Okay, so what are we arresting them for? You know, granted, they were cited. Um, they weren't arrested. But, again, I, I go to the cops, and I look at you guys, and like, what are you doing? Okay. Uh, this came up with the Biden saying that we're going to have a nationwide mask mandate. Yeah, good guess, luck with that. Guess what, Mr. President? You don't create law. Yeah. Okay? Congress creates law. You just sign off on it. Yeah. Okay? There's no executive order that can come from the White House that local municipalities and local police and stuff have to or can even enforce. You know, and, and here's the thing about that. Yeah, who's going to enforce that? You can have the FBI go around arresting people for not wearing a mask. Yeah. Because um, thanks to a whole bunch of craziness, uh, we're not even allowed, you know, law enforcement, local law enforcement in, in most places aren't even allowed to help ICE with immigration, people who violate immigration laws. So you yeah. think anybody's going to give a damn about helping with to enforce mask laws? Well, it's not going to happen. Nobody's going to give a shit. You got to keep it on. I mean, this is why governors are responsible for coronavirus response. Okay, the, the federal government can make recommendations, but the federal mm-hmm. government can only control what the federal government controls. Exactly. So they can dictate policy when it comes to federal buildings. They yep. can dictate policy when it comes to federal agencies. Sure. When it comes to the military stuff like that. But your local um, um, drugstore on the corner is not dictated by federal policy. Nope. Well, okay. actually, the drugstore probably is because it's well, drugs, medication. Your local convenience store. <laughs> okay, it's not dictated help, by but federal I'm sorry. policy. Yeah. No, okay. You're right. It's dictated by local rules yeah. in Minnesota and, yeah. and state stuff. Okay, the, the governors are responsible when all is said and done. Mm-hmm. Uh, Governor Christine Noma of, um, I think it's North Dakota North or South Dakota. Dakota. Yeah. She never shut down. Nope. She looked at it. She's like, look, this is already a worldwide pandemic. I don't think we can slow down. And we're already a sparsely spread out uh, um, state. state. You know, so it's like, well, what are we going to shut down for? They never shut down. Their economy never took a major hit. 
they, yeah. yeah, sure, they had some losses. They had people get sick, but there's not a whole lot you can do about it. But, you know, and the, that the was fact it. is, and this, and people tell me I'm cold when I say this. It's not cold. It's rational. That was gonna happen. There was nothing anybody was gonna could, could do, should do, is able to do to stop people from dying. You can't stop a pandemic. Yeah, it's gonna happen. And that's that's like the big difference between my mindset and a lot. Of, not to toot my own horn, of course. Toot <clears throat> Um, but. When this started coming out and people were like, well, we're going to study this. We're going to see what the president's doing. We're going to see what these other countries are doing and blah, blah, blah. I just looked at what pandemics. Like, I, I, look, I studied pandemics yeah. in general. Okay, and I talked to a nurse at an ER, and I was like, hey, man, do these masks work? And he's like, look, there's no science to support specific to coronavirus. He's mm-hmm. like, there is science to support a water droplet-borne viruses in general. He's like, masks can help with that. But here's the thing. You breathe out the air. Okay, just like on a cold morning, how you can see your breath. That's, yeah. your, that's your water droplet. Okay, most times it's going to evaporate, like 99.9% of the time it evaporates before it hits the ground. Okay, it evaporates, the virus is hanging out there in the, in, the, in the air. Okay, you put on that mask, okay, either the virus is still going to go through the mask mm-hmm. or it's going to go up or down, but it's still going to hang there in the air. It's going to go poof upside. Yeah, it's, it's going to go sideways or whatever. Yeah. It's still just going to hang there in the air. Now, coronavirus does not survive outside the body very long. Okay, they are very temperature specific. Okay, so that's why, like, outdoor activities and stuff, you make the argument that, okay, we don't really need the masks because they're not going to do well. Right. You know, it doesn't matter. And so, but I actually talked to doctors about it. And then uh, I had a doctor, we were doing an operation where we actually brought along a SWAT doctor, you know, a guy who's basically an ER doctor who's trauma trained, who actually accompanies SWAT teams and tactical teams just in case something happens. He could be there right there on scene with us. Um, And I started talking to him about it. He's like, this whole thing's stupid. Yeah. Masks aren't going to do anything. Okay, there's actually studies to show that even surgeons don't really need to wear masks if they're worried about viruses. There's nothing you, know, you can do about that's it. That's the crazy thing about it when people start screaming about it. Like, we have to listen to the medical professionals. Well, I am. Because half of them are saying this is all stupid. So what you're saying is, is we have to listen to the medical professionals that... That uh, you, that want, you want us to listen to. That help with your argument. Well, it's like the ones that are making the hydroxychloroquine argument. Yeah. Yeah, you had a ton of medical professionals. Like, they're like, why are you guys alienating this drug? We've used it. It's been successful. Right. Yeah, you know, we've had success. We're not saying it's a cure, but we've had but success. It's successful. Yeah. But if anyone acknowledges that this is a drug that's successful against, um, oh, they're just cor- well, you just proved that the Trump President Trump was right because he said it early on. Yeah. He said, "I was told this is an effective drug." Okay. Well, now if we come out saying, "Say, yeah, it actually is effective for a lot of patients," mm-hmm. and we're not saying it's a cure, it's just effective for a lot of patients. I have a friend of mine whose uh, dad took it uh, because he had COVID and recovered just fine. Yeah, well, that one doctor came out, and we never played this video on thing, but that one doctor came out, and she was like, yeah, I've used it. I've used it for patients over 90 that have recovered. I have all my staff that are just on it regularly just yeah. in case they do catch it or whatever. She's doing all this stuff. They immediately went after her because— Oh, she got railroaded. Oh, she—yeah, because she was a priest, and she had weird— uh, She had some, yeah. Weird uh, uh, Christian beliefs about demons and stuff like sure. that. Let me tell you something, folks. I believe that 2,000 years ago, a man— could heal people, and he got nailed to a cross, died, and came back to life three days later. That's, that's a, crazy. That's a pretty weird belief, okay? So let's sit there and target somebody like, well, she believes that demons can cause this and that. Well, all right, whatever. Okay, anyone who's religious in any way, shape, or form probably has some weird belief, okay? Uh, and, yeah, some are weirder than others. I'm not going to sit there and justify all of them, but I'm not too worried about somebody's personal mm-hmm. religious beliefs. Okay? All, all hail Batman, our Lord and Savior. Oh, jeez. Hey folks, everyone has that person in their life who seems a little harder to buy for than anyone else. But before you settle on yet another gift card, check out Beyond the Branch Designs in Northern California. They do custom wood carved home decor like flags, badges, and display holders. Reach out to my new friends Lisa and Mike, branchdesigns99 at gmail.com or 530-301-4420. And we're back. So, the left is being more unhinged than usual. Um, did you know, Josh, it is not illegal for a president to nominate a new Supreme Court justice? It's illegal. That's awesome. Well, it's not illegal. I mean, it's just... It's his job. Yeah, it's literally in the Constitution. Yeah, it is his job. So, some people... argued... Some people... This is so funny because uh, some people start arguing. They're like, well, you know, back in 2015... You know, they, they had an empty seat, and the Republicans kept blocking um, Obama. Then that's true. Right? They blocked it, and they kept saying, you know, there's uh, no that need wasn't for 20, this. That wasn't 2015. That was... 2014, 2016? 20... It was right before the election. It was right before oh, the... it would have been 2016, yes. Because one of uh, President Trump's first acts was to uh, 
nominate somebody. Yeah. Because this would be his third. Gorsuch. Neil Gorsuch. Yeah. Yeah, so the point is, though, is Obama had a seat to fill, mm-hmm. and Republicans kept blocking him from doing it. Yeah, and they were saying the same thing. Oh, you have to wait till after the election. You have to wait till after the, you have to wait till well, after the new president comes in. They had the bodies, yeah. right? And they got rid of the nuclear option. They got rid of the two-thirds needed. They just said, went, um, and this was uh, Harry Reid's fault, mm-hmm. right? He just went to general, and they still couldn't get it passed. Okay, because Republicans did exactly what Republicans voted them to do. Okay, they did not want Obama to fill that seat. The exact same thing happened with Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. Bill Clinton was also looking at three nominations. By the time his third was coming up, uh, the people had basically voted for House and Senate to be controlled by Republicans, and they just blocked it. Yeah. Okay? And they just kept doing that. Now, that's what historically has happened a lot. Historically, the Americans have uh, leaned away from Democrats in ways of uh, – they've trusted them less with their nominations as they have Republicans. Yeah. Okay? Because the whole idea is this. The Supreme Court is supposed to be, according to the Founding Fathers, the least threatening of the three branches. Sure. These guys are not supposed to create law. No. They're not supposed to create policy. No, they're they're, interpret. They are supposed to simply interpret. So somebody, you know, Congress creates a law. They pass it. They send it to the president. The president signs off on mm-hmm. it. He says, okay, this is good. It goes to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is supposed to decide, okay, does this law violate the Constitution or not? Yep. That's all they're that's, supposed to do. That's all they do. They are supposed to protect the rights of the American people. Exactly. From Congress. Yes. That's their whole job. Yep. The problem is the left, starting in the 60s, has started new precedents. Where the Supreme Court suddenly has power, and they start creating case law, and they start creating policy. Well, case law gets created kind of just by the fact that, hey, this happened, and we've ruled this way. So when it comes up again, well, there's already something that... To go off of. To go off of. And That's what been, case law basically There's been good is. case law, there's been bad case law. Sure. For example, uh, what is it, Tennessee versus Gardner or whatever, it was a mm-hmm. fleeing felon rule. Okay, the law is you can shoot a... F- you know, you can shoot in self-defense, a cop can, or yeah. you can shoot a fleeing felon. Okay, and that and that law stood for a while until somebody was committing a burglary, mm-hmm. ran out the back door, the cops chased him, he was hopping a fence, the cops said stop, he didn't, he shot him in the back. Why? Because it was a fleeing felon. Okay, yeah. the rule cop or the, the courts ruled nope, that was a violation of his rights. Okay? But that's what they're there for. They're there to interpret and say, no, that's not that guy was not an imminent threat. You did not have the right to shoot him in the back like yeah. that. Okay. That's what they're there for. Graham okay? versus Connor. Yeah, Graham versus Connor, whatever. It's one um, that's used by pretty much every, especially in California, yeah, for uh, use of force stuff. Yeah. Uh, Terry versus Ohio. Your Terry yep. search, your basic pat down, boom, that's all case law. Yeah. Okay. The point is, though, is they have some good case laws, some bad case laws, you know, but that's what they do. Because the, the, the Constitution was written 200 years ago. Right. Okay. And like, for example, uh, the Fourth Amendment, right? You have the right to be secure in your, uh, in your papers, right? You need a warrant mm-hmm. for search and seizure, that kind of stuff. Well, obviously, now that applies to cell phones, now that applies to cars, now that applies to things, right? So you need someone to interpret that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The Second Amendment does not apply to modern firearms. It only applies to muskets. Yeah, and I always made that argument. You know, like, they're like, well, you know, the Founding Fathers only had muskets in mind. Like, first of all, they didn't just have muskets back then. They had, yeah, that's they had true. cannons, they had versions of Gatling they had guns, they have, yeah, they had all sorts of stuff. But second of all, is the musket was the military weapon of the time. Yes. Right? And so, um, and yeah. I mean, if that if the Second Amendment does not apply to modern firearms and the Fourth Amendment does not apply to cell phones, it doesn't apply to email, it doesn't apply to cars, it doesn't apply to all that. And well, the First Amendment does. doesn't apply to internet, internet, social uh, media, social media, all that kind of radio. stuff. Radio. So, anyways, the left is actually going nuts for this lady. Now, here's yeah. the uh, Amy Comey Barrett, I think is her name. Yes. Okay, she has a record. Yes. Okay, she was nominated three years ago by President for the Seventh mm-hmm. Circuit. Okay, they tore her up. This is the one that tore her apart. That Diane Feinstein. Uh, famous, famously said, uh, the dogma is strong with this one. I don't know why leftists are so scared of anyone who's religious. Okay, I kind of see her as somebody who's not hypocritical because she actually does take her kids to church. She doesn't mm-hmm. just say it. She does it. Um, she actually follows through with oh. stuff. And heaven forbid you adopt two children from Haiti. Oh, my God. They're oh. going after that shit. Wow. How? I mean. Oh, she only did that so she doesn't look like she's racist. What a scumbag. You really think a racist would adopt two oh, children Oh, not just that. There, there are people calling like, I, the, those adoptions need to be investigated to make sure that they were legit adoptions. Oh gosh. And that, you know, she didn't just uh, go in and steal some children from their families. Like, are you effing kidding me and here's the thing people are like well i'm scared well first of all you're scared because you're manufactured to be scared okay because the media is telling you to be scared because the politicians are telling you to be scared she in my mind she does not pose a threat because she actually studied as a clerk under scalia 
Okay. Yeah, I was a big fan of Scalia. Yeah, and Scalia was a literalist, and so is she. Yep. Okay, she's an interpret like she interprets the Constitution as its literal Literally. meaning, mm -hmm. and she's very familiar with the founding fathers. Yes. Okay, and that's what you want because when all said and done, the uh, Supreme Court nominee should not be political at all. No, it really shouldn't, the, but it always is. Democrat and Republican should not matter. Okay, you go back 60 years, whenever they're nominating someone to the Supreme Court, the hearings would be like half a day long. Yeah. And nobody really cared. Yeah, you believe this, you believe that. Okay, uh, all right, whatever, you're good. Because it was supposed to be the least mm -hmm. threatening branch of the, the entire United States government, right? Nobody really cared because politics weren't supposed to matter, okay? If you're a Democrat and you're nominated to the Supreme Court, that should not, your personal feelings do not matter. You're supposed to just know the law and this is how the law should be applied. Yep. That's it. It doesn't matter if you agree or not. Okay, and what's the worst case scenario? That she, I don't know, helps overturn Roe versus Wade. Well, oh no! Well, but you can't do that. Any, like no, you're not going to be able to do that anyways. Yeah, there's, that'll never happen. And here's the thing: Roe versus Wade. I wish we'd just go back to what Roe versus Wade actually said. Yeah. Because Roe versus Wade, if you study the original case law, first of all, the justifications of the justices at the time were stupid. <laughs> they, you, they, you've you've they, you've brought this up before. Your yeah, your issues with Roe v. Wade. Yeah, but yeah, and I'll, I'll just mention it really quick. Um. Uh, basically, what they said at the time was, uh, first trimester was yes, mm -hmm. you can have an abortion. Second trimester, we'll leave it up to the states to decide. And third trimester was murder. That's mm -hmm. what they said. Yeah. Okay. Now you have states that are going all the way to third trimester, saying yeah, it's not a problem. Shit. Now we're going all the way to uh, birth. Yeah. Well, they've only been alive for two minutes. It's I've fine. Had, I've read articles of extremist professors who are like, well, you know, until they're two years old. Jesus. Yeah. I'm like, are you kidding me? You know what gets me is there's all this conversation about uh, Ginsburg's dying wish. And, yeah, so here's the thing about that. I, let's let's say I'm, God, how old was she? Was she like 91, something like that? I thought she was like 87. Was it 87? Like I don't know. She, she was up there. She was up there. Okay, frankly, so she should have retired during so, the So here I am. I'm 90 years old and I'm dying, right? The last thing on my mind is going to be political bullshit. Yeah. You know what the last thing on my mind is going to be? I hope my family is going to be okay. I hope they're they're going to be able to get through this without me. I hope that you know, my family. It's all going to be about my family. I'm not going to sit there and give a shit about who's going to replace me at work and when are they going to do it. Yeah. Like now, now here's my other issue with that too. My other issue is that this claim, and it's I believe it's her granddaughter who said that. Oh, well, this is her dying wish was that her, she not be replaced until after the election. Her claim flies directly in the face of her previous statements when the Republicans were blocking, were doing the same thing to Obama, saying, oh, no, you have to wait until after the election because it's your lame duck year. I hate that term. Uh, that lame duck year where, you know, um, you're in your, your end of your, your term and you might be replaced, so you have to wait to see what happens. And Ginsburg came out and said, no. No, the job of the president, and I'm summarizing, obviously, the job of the president does not end because he's in his third year. It does not stop. He, this is the job. This is the Senate's job to go through with the hearings. It is the president's job to, appoint, to nominate an appointee. That is the job of the president. It does not stop just because his term is coming up. Yeah, so, there's, there's nothing unconstitutional about just nominating. Well, no way. So saying that she, at her, on her deathbed, said you know, that she didn't want to be replaced until after the election flies directly in the face of previous public statements. So I'm sorry. I'm going to call bullshit. Yeah, I had somebody ask me, like, how do you feel about this, or what do you think? And I, I said, dude, frankly, after watching the way they treated Kavanaugh, oh, yeah. I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. True, this, is, this is sweet karma and justice as far as I'm concerned. Maybe. Okay. You know. I just don't care. I don't care. I actually Fill have. Fill the seat and rub it in their face. I just I, don't care. I actually have confirmation from several anonymous sources that say that uh, Ginsburg's actually been dead for the last five years. It's just been a whole weekend at Bernie scenario. Oh no, she's been dead for three years. Oh three, I'm sorry, three. Years. She's been yeah. dead for three years. Yeah, and then and it's it been just, it's it, been a weekend at Bernie's, and they just couldn't hide it anymore. They couldn't hide it. Is it, it too soon for that joke? Is it I too soon? Know. It might be a little too. If that's too soon, let me know at DTP at USA.com. <laughs> let me is say it too soon for that here. joke. Anyone who makes it to the Supreme Court has probably lived an amazing life. Oh sure. In general, and and she's no no exception, right? She's she's had a great life. She's accomplished a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, when it came to her court rulings and her opinions. I, Frankly, from a conservative point of view, she's probably on the wrong side of every issue that came across her desk. Eh, um, uh, not every. I struggled with her. Like, I didn't really know a whole lot about her except, you know, she always voted one way or, you know, she always voted left-leaning. Sure. My big struggle with her, and not, not to really attack her, I mean, she is dead, rest in peace, I, you know, 
prayers for the Ginsburg family. But uh, in 2012, she did an interview, and you can find it on YouTube, where they were, she was talking about the Constitution, and she basically said that if she was going to rewrite the Constitution today, she wouldn't use ours as a model. Oof. She said that she would use South Africa's Constitution as a model. And this was when? 2012. Okay. And it was very... She wanted to make sure it was lying after apartheid. Well, it was very telling to me that, like I said earlier, these people should be constitutionalists and politics shouldn't mm-hmm. get involved. And it was very telling that she didn't really have a whole lot of respect for our Constitution in the first place. I don't True. think she did. Okay. Uh, there was a movie that came out about her a while back, and she famously says, I think she said it in real life, um, she's arguing some issue as a lawyer talking about you know women's rights or something, which was fine. You know, like, I'm, I'm not against women's rights. But she's arguing something, and one of the judges said, you know, the word women does not appear in the in the Constitution. And she says, well, neither does the word freedom. Well, it does appear in the Constitution. It appears in all the amendments. Yeah. Okay, which means, it also suggested to me that this is a woman who does not realize that the amendments are actually addendums to the Constitution, which means they're a part of the Constitution. Well, that was just a movie, hopefully. Yeah, I hope Maybe. so. But everyone would celebrate that. Like, it's supposed to be some great triumphant moment. And I'm like, really? Because I would have laughed at her. Yeah. If she said that to me in court of law, I would have laughed at her and be like, yeah. get out of here. <laughs> you know, like, like, anyways. But no, she did live an amazing life. And President Trump actually responded when he found out he was brought in very respectfully. Oh um, my God! Did yeah, you when, watch that video. No, I didn't watch the video, but I can't. I can't believe that when he showed up to pay his respects, he was booed by the crowd. He is there to pay his respects to a dead woman who served. You know what? Whether you whether you agree with her or not, she served this country for. Dear God, how long was she actually on that seat? She was nominated by Bill Clinton in 1993. 93. Yes. Ooh, okay. Which is why I'm like, you should have retired plus during years? the Obama years. If you wanted your so, seat replaced by another progressive. I'm not that good at math, folks. So almost 30 years she served this country as a Supreme Court judge. Not just, uh, now that's not even talking about the uh, her career before that. So she's, she yeah, did. she was a federal judge. She was a federal judge. 80, I think, or Okay, so she was a federal like judge for like almost 40 years. And he showed up to pay her his respects. And this Trump derangement syndrome that is, I'm convinced is a real thing. People couldn't get over it, and instead of just like, okay, you know what, yeah, it's it's a somber moment. Let's, you know, we'll, let's here. just all be quiet and pay our respects to this. No, no, no. Let's take our chance to boo the president. Hold on, I got it right here. Fucking children. Well, this is yep. when uh, President Trump found out. She just died. Wow. I didn't know that. I just uh, you're telling me now for the first time. I don't know what's with the. She led an amazing life. What else can you? Say? Okay, she led an amazing life. What else can you say? Okay, he wasn't disrespectful. Nope. He didn't make any comments or jokes about uh, trying to replace her right away Nothing. or anything like that. Okay, and he's not wrong. I mean, like I said, anyone who gets to that level in life, yeah. and, and I mean, she did live an amazing life. You know, and she, she, you know, and she's a hero to a lot of people. Like I said, I thought she was on the wrong side of a lot of issues, but her and Scalia were actually really good friends. Yes. Okay, and she was very respectful to them. Yep. And she actually kind of was a great example, in my opinion of how you should treat the other side. Politics yes. should be a gentleman's game. It should not get as dirty and nasty as it was, and she was an example Gentle of that. person's game. Hey, folks, do me a huge favor and rate this podcast on iTunes. I would really appreciate it. It helps us reach a higher audience. It helps us reach out to those people who may also enjoy this podcast. Also, like it, subscribe to it if you haven't subscribed yet, and be sure to share it with your friends and family. Try to try to try to try to maintain your composure, oh, but geez. I agree with Democrats. What? So recently, it came out that uh, some Democrats are try- want to push legislation or want to present legislation that would limit the term of Supreme Court justices. Oh my gosh! Can we do that with Congress too? Yes, for the love of God, oh please, gosh. Congress, Senate, all of them. But I actually agree. I don't think it should be a lifelong. Appoint, appointment. I mean, you take Ginsburg. So, uh, for, so, and again, no disrespect, you know, rest in peace. But for the last couple of years, she hasn't. She wasn't very present. There's, there's I've video said it, of her sleeping. I've said it three times already on this podcast. She should have retired during the Obama. Yeah, years. She, if she, she wanted really her seat she really replaced should. by another progressive. She should have yeah. retired during the Obama years. Um, the reality of it was is is that it should be limited. And so the the one that I was reading is they're talking about like an 18 year term. That's super long. Uh, but I get it for some for for a position like that, you know, eighteen years actually doesn't seem that crazy. They, some were saying twenty years. Some were twenty. Well, whatever. Um, hey, here's the thing, though. They're waking can, up. 
to the dangers of having these lifelong yes. appointments. But can we do that for Congress and the Senate too, please? I'm tired of these decrepit freaking Skeletor lookalikes wandering around, yeah. you know, in their black robes going, I know what's best for the country. Well, that's <laughs> that's one of the biggest arguments against Biden. You've been in there for like, what, 47 years? 47 years. But he's going to fix things now. Yeah. That's and, right. And he served as vice president for eight years. You don't All think he, he has to do is remember who he is. If he had great ideas, you think he could have just nudged Barack Obama and been like, hey, uh, whoa, whoa, why whoa. don't we do this? Barry had his own good ideas. That's why he won the Peace Prize, sir. Oh, that is why he won the Peace Prize, sir. Mic drop. Uh, <laughs> let's see. What other stories do we got here? School officer tases handcuffs woman for not wearing a mask. Okay, that's a misleading. Um, did you watch a video on this? I didn't watch the video. I, I read an article about it. Um, that's a super misleading headline. Yeah. An Ohio woman was tased and handcuffed on Wednesday for not wearing a mask as an outdoor uh, eighth grade football game. So she basically, she drives like an hour and a half to go watch her son play. Sure. Okay. The school in that state in Ohio, um, I think they actually crossed state line. I can't remember. Anyways, she gets there. They, they, and she's sitting there. She's social distancing. She's sitting with her family. They're mm-hmm. away from other people. They're, you know, they're just there. And the officer says, hey, ma'am, you, uh, the policy is you got to wear a mask if you're going to be in here. No, I don't. Excuse me, Karen? <laughs> yeah, I'm no, sorry, Karen. Yes, you do. You, you need to wear a mask. Well, I'm just I'm social distancing. I'm with my family, all this stuff. Okay. Um, if not, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. No, I'm not leaving. Okay. Yeah. Now you're trespassing. Right. Okay, so that's the thing. You're on school property. The school yeah. property has a policy. The, the, the school resource office can enforce that policy. Yep. Okay, so basically he's just saying, look, if you're going to be on our property, you got to wear a mask. If you don't want to wear a mask, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. If you refuse to wear a mask, I'm going to ask you to leave. If you refuse to leave, now you're trespassing. That's an arrestable offense. Yep. Okay. She wasn't handcuffed and tased for not wearing a mask. No. She was handcuffed and tased for fighting the cop who was asking her to leave, and she refused. So he said, okay, well, I'm going to arrest you then. She was, resi- she was actively resisting She arrest. was actively resisting. If you watch the video, there's another woman who basically helps her resist. And I'm like, how did she not get punched in the face yeah. at one point? Because I'm like I'm – like, Again, when you get those third-party people that start to insert themselves, if you're preventing an officer from doing his job, you're also committing another crime. Okay? What are you looking at? Oh, I was looking at your next thing. Oh, my next thing? I'm not even going to read this one. Okay. Moving on, then. Yeah, we've had enough stories about cops getting attacked. This one was the cop that got uh, hit in the head with the baseball bat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, But we're kind of running out of time a little bit. Well, then we should go to news from Florida. I'm not ready for news from Florida. Uh, let's see. Coalition of Black Passers rips Kamala Harris for celebrating brilliance of black Kamala. matter. Kamala. 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 Uh, a group of black pastors slammed Democratic Vice President nominee Senator Kamala Harris on Friday for praising the so-called brilliance of Black Lives Matter founders, the Christian Post. Oof. Eesh. She went on to describe the BLM protesters, which she was, she was doing this interview, right? And she described them as an essential component of evolution in our country. And as essential component of or mark of a real democracy. Okay, this is that progressive uh, revolutionary thought process mm, here, yeah. right? You saw this a lot in the '60s, right? Um, what's his name? Uh, Saul Alinsky push pushed this a lot. These people who organize and they're organized protesters and they're organized revolutionaries and they're you know that's what they do. They think that's how you get change. They think that's part of democracy. Sure. Um, but they were not happy with her because this is a, a group of black pastors who are who kind of see Black Lives Matter for the organization for what it is. Um, you mean s- a financial funnel for the Democratic Party? <clears throat> yes. In a statement to the Post, the coalition's co-founder, Bishop Aubrey Shines, said BLM is not an organization Harris should be commending in any way. It's an extremely disheartening to see a U.S. senator and candidate for vice president give such high praise to a group that is trying to destroy our country. Okay. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, she Pastor actually is for not... Bishop, for standing up for what is right. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Let's see. Where are we here? Hmm. What's next on the agenda? If it will play. I'm stalling for time. <laughs> I'm going to edit this out later. Why aren't you playing? Why are you downloading? I hate you. Folks. News from Florida. Uh, hey, right. um, here's something crazy. That's something I never thought I would say. What? Florida has got the right idea. What? 
I know. I'm just dropping some. That's two I'm giant butts. That is two. Me. I'm dropping bombs today. So uh, the governor of Florida announced that there will be no more mask mandate. There will be no more closing for COVID uh, issues. We're going to open up everything. And they've actually had schools open for quite some time. And you know what didn't happen? What? Massive spikes of coronavirus. What? That goes against everything I was told what was going to happen. I know. It's oh crazy. Oh, my goodness. It's so, almost as if children don't really carry it like they think they do. I know. It's crazy. So, yeah. So, Florida's Sweet. opening back up. They're just tired of this. Um, I think everybody's actually kind of tired of this. So, good good on Florida. But um, let's kind of see if the whole state melts or something. Yeah. Let's see what happens. So, you know, Florida's known for a lot of things, including gators and meth heads and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, and meth gators. And meth gators, yes. Um, but one thing it's not really known for is its karma. Instant karma, for example. I'm intrigued. Authorities say a woman stabbed her boyfriend on an interstate highway, and then she was killed as she ran in front of a truck. <laughs> the death happened early Saturday. The Orange County Sheriff's Office reports a 30-year-old woman and her 27-year-old boyfriend got into an argument and pulled over along uh, Interstate 4. Officials said the woman broke a bottle and struck the man as, as they were on the shoulder of the highway. Wow. Uh, then she ran away and ran out into the highway and got struck by a tractor trailer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's you can't make that stuff up, folks. No, that's very unfortunate. Mostly because I'm not creative enough. Now, here's something that is kind of uniquely. This is one of those stories that you're reading. You're like, I'm not surprised, but I'm kind of surprised. All right, I'm intrigued. I mean, I'm not surprised because it came from Florida, uh, but I'm a little surprised because I don't think this is really possible. A Florida man is suing McDonald's for over a million dollars after allegedly chipping a tooth on a chicken McNugget. Wait. First off, the Florida man had a tooth to chip off? Well, obviously they were no. rotting away. Obviously. Yeah. Beth Gator. Um, so uh, he chipped his tooth on a McNugget? Yes, the man, Alexi Stolfat. Pretty sure that was just a yellow rock, sir. Uh, his name is spelled S-T-O-L-F-A-T, so Stolfat. 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 Yeah. Received his food from Uber Eats from a West Palm Beach McDonald's. The South Florida Sentinel reported he said he felt pain in his mouth and suffered from headaches for three days after biting into a bone in one of the chicken nuggets. Oof. So apparently that's worth a million dollars. Well, hey. You know what, man? If you get it, more power to you. Good, yeah, good, good on you. It's like that classic story of the woman who uh, her coffee burned her from a Oh, but yeah, but that story's bullshit. No, it actually happened, though. It, no, like it happened, but it didn't happen the way people think. It, first off, it wasn't the fault of McDonald's. No, but you know what? It's funny, though. That's how civil law works is... Um, you throw out numbers, you throw out stuff, but one thing you have to try and do in court is you have to try and justify those numbers. Yeah. And I'm sorry, actually, it was the fault of McDonald's. I'm sorry. Uh, the the lady kind of got raked, raked over the coals about how, you know, oh, well, you just spilled coffee on yourself. You ordered hot coffee. Well, the coffee was actually hot to a degree that it was not supposed to be. It was uh, yeah. hotter than it, way hotter than it should have been. But a jury kind of decides these things, but a jury in the end will actually decide the price you're awarded. Yeah, isn't that crazy? And sometimes these juries will look at it and be like, well, they can afford it. So True. when you sue these big companies like Walmart and McDonald's yeah. and Sears or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like these big yeah. multi-billion dollar companies, uh, you got to keep in mind that they're doing it for two reasons. One, they're hoping to settle out of court, which is a big number. Yep. Because a lot of these companies just they don't want to spend that kind of money. Like right. They're just like like it's not worth it. Just give the guys five million dollars and let's move on. Yeah. You know, or whatever it is, you know, five hundred thousand or whatever they're trying to get, you know. If you're settling, it's probably not five million. Yeah, probably not, unless it's really, really it's bad. It's really bad. In which case if they throw out a five million number to settle, it's probably you're worth thirty million. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's true. Um but yeah, but they decide these numbers, but they will decide the other way too. I think I've told the story before about the uh the guy who fell and hurt his back, the truck driver. Yeah. Uh, you know, and he was pushing for two hundred thousand, or they offered him two hundred thousand a settlement, and he said no, and he ended up getting twelve hundred bucks. Yeah, because the jury was like, no, that's what you paid out of pocket. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen that in small claims. You know, the maximum amount you can sue in small claims in California is ten thousand dollars. So a lot yep. of people come and say, I'm suing for ten thousand dollars, and the judge is like, well, justify it. You know, what yeah. cost you ten thousand dollars that you need that money back? The pain and suffering. Describe your pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to come to court. I mean, I was really <laughs> bummed about it. Yeah, and so the judge, judge is like, well, that cost you $300, and that's what you're going to get. Yeah. You win your case, but it ain't ten grand. You know, yeah. like, but that's how they decide these things. And so sometimes I, I actually feel bad for these corporations sometimes because they do have teams of lawyers that are just dealing with lawsuits all over the country for stuff like this, and they know that a lot of these people are just going to get free money. Oh, I mean, yeah. What do you want? You, you, what, can, can we settle for five grand mm-hmm. for a broken tooth? Yeah, you got it chips, you got it broke, whatever. You know, because they know if they go to court, the jury's going to be like, well, McDonald's has it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, McDonald's you can, can afford, afford it. it. Yeah. But the truth is, I mean, you probably should look at the company that makes the nuggets for McDonald's. 
That's true. But yeah, also, you got to be careful about who you're suing. Are you suing the corporation or are you suing the franchise? Because if you're suing the franchise, you're suing a small business owner who doesn't have millions of dollars. No, he doesn't have what you think he has. Yeah, he, he doesn't has. have what he, you think he has. But the jury sometimes don't get that either, and they screw over a small business owner just because somebody wanted to be an asshat and try to, you know, well, collect some money that they really didn't deserve. That's what happened with the truck driver case. That's exactly what happened with the, the truck driver. The guy thought he was suing corporate Chevron. Yeah, and he was suing a family. A family that owned three gas stations yeah. in town. You know what I'm saying? And that's why they're like, well, our insurance is willing to settle for 200000 Because we know we messed up. Right, yeah. But he thought he was entitled to millions, yeah. you know? and so Because yeah. they could afford it. Well, no, they couldn't. Exactly. All right, folks. This is the Serving the Peace podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope you got something from it. If you have any questions, comments, hate mail, DTP at USA.com, I will gladly read your message. I always say that, but the truth is, is everyone's afraid to write us. Right. So if you're thinking about writing us, but you're afraid to write us, don't be afraid. Don't write be me. afraid. I might write back. Come on, you trolls. You never know. Okay. And if you <clears throat> want to email Josh, last week I totally forgot. To <laughs> I was disappointed. Yeah. I was. I was disappointed. Uh, what was the one you there suggested? Was easy, I don't even remember, but oh. there was an easy one that I thought. Yeah, so if you want to email Josh, Josh is looking at me in anticipation. <laughs> it's I love Ruth Bader Ginsburg at yahoo.com. It's oh, I love man. Ruth Bader Ginsburg at yahoo.com. That's beneath you, sir. You could do better than that. What, what more? Can, what, I'm going to give you another chance. Methgators. There you go. Methgators at gmail.com. That's Josh's email today. All right, folks, thanks for joining us. Bye.